Far above the Golden Valley, glorious to view, stands our noble alma mater. Looking down on the rest of the Big 12. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Jonas Nordman. And yeah, the University of Kansas basketball program, the Fighting Jayhawks, Bill Selves boys, are back where they belong, at their rightful place atop the Big 12. Let's get to the business real quickly. This is the Believe Podcast Network, the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. I believe it's about darn time. Man, one year off really takes a toll on the body, doesn't it? (laughs) But after the one year, the one year hiatus, KU basketball is back on top. Last night, clinching at least for now a share of the Big 12 basketball championship. Should they win out? Should they beat Texas Tech on Saturday? And what will be a, a pretty tough game, and I have some pretty inflammatory, controversial opinions on how KU should go about the game on Saturday. But if they do win, then Kansas will have won the title outright. Something that's pretty remarkable to think about and something that didn't really seem likely really just, what, a, a week or, or, or two ago? You know, right before they played the Baylor game. Maybe they tie them. Baylor's on a roll. But once Baylor lost that game to TCU, it's like, oh, okay. We might have something here on our hands. Here's what we have on the docket, though. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself before letting you know what to expect. A little bit of talk about the Big 12 title. I did a bit of a retrospective on the season that was, on the Big 12 season that was. And then we're going to talk about what, what I said. I think it's a controversial opinion. Uh, I'll let you know what I'm thinking about the game this Saturday. I do want to do a quick preview of the game against Texas Tech. Been doing it all year long. Might as well continue, right? Sort of let you know what to look forward to for that game down there in Lubbock. And then I put together a, a brief thank you for the seniors. Last night was senior night. It's a really interesting senior class, just the two guys. Isaiah Moss and Yudoka Azabuke, but both of them impactful, both of them leaving a lasting mark on the program. And and I just threw together something just sort of, uh, again, another sort of retrospective on their careers and and the night that was last night, senior night. But let's start with the Big 12 season. The year that was, Kansas is back on top. A year after K-State and Texas Tech share the Big 12 title last year, Well, K-State just lost their 21st game of the year last night down at Oklahoma State. I saw that's the the worst mark in program history. Way to go, Cats. And and then Texas Tech, a solid team. But this year, they're 18-12, 9-8. It's hard to have that target on the back, isn't it, boys? So the KU is back on top. I actually mentioned this. Somewhat early on in the in the history of Believe in Jayhawks basketball program, sort of the historic rate that we were on here in the Big 12 between Baylor and between Kansas. I read you the numbers on how many times the team has only lost once or only lost two or three times in conference play. And the numbers were really were really low for that. And here we are sitting on the brink of the last day of Big 12 play. And Kansas at maximum. Is going to have two losses in Big 12 play. And Baylor at maximum is going to have three. They're sitting on two right now. 
So this was really a, a historic Big 12 conference season, and I hope people appreciate it for what it was. Now, what was it? It was also a historically weak conference. <laughs> you did have two elite teams, I, and I mentioned this as well. Kansas and Baylor, really in a class by themselves in the conference, and then there's everybody else. For a second there, West Virginia looked like a team that could make life difficult. Seemed like a pretty obvious number three team in the conference. But all of a sudden, West Virginia has just plummeted, and they are nowhere in the, in the conference picture. And in fact, they just they stopped shooting whatsoever. Like, they can't make a basket. And, and wouldn't you know it, here comes Texas. Shaka Smart was on his deathbed, what, like three weeks ago? All of a sudden, they're, them and UCLA are like the hottest teams in the nation, along with Kansas, obviously, who's won 15 games in a row. But Texas just might mess around and finish third in this conference. It's a little ridiculous. So here's what I did. I looked back at the games, and what I realized was, and I, what I mean is I looked back at the games for KU this year. Like, look back at conference season, the pivotal moments in Big 12 play that led to the Jayhawks reclaiming the throne. Bill Self, by the way, the stat is back. One of my favorite stats in all of college basketball. One of my favorite stats in Kansas basketball history. Bill Self, conference titles, 15. Bill Self, losses at home on the Allen Fieldhouse floor, 14. More conference titles than home losses. I love that stat. And, and it tells you just how important the home court advantage is. Sometimes, maybe a bit works against the team once they head into neutral court play. But, you know, KU still does well enough in March. Well, you can't really make that argument. Would you rather have a good home court advantage? Obviously. That's not the point. So here's what I, f- I found as I was looking through the conference season. And to be honest... And I think this goes back to my point in that, you know, it was a pretty weak Big 12 this year. You know, you had your close games. KU didn't win every single game by double digits. But it was a relatively comfortable season. You know, you had some comebacks against West Virginia. The Texas Tech game was a tight one, only a three-point win at home. Uh, Let's see what else here. Obviously, the K-State game this past Saturday, I predicted, what, an 18-point win? And it was not that. They only won by four points. But credit to K-State for bringing some passion for once. And, of course, the two Baylor games, the, the one at Waco where KU only won by three, and, of course, the one that they actually lost, where Kansas lost by 12. But apart from that, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that a team like Iowa State is down this year. A team like Oklahoma is mediocre. So, again, a lot of the scores, even the close games, are more than one possession games. Uh, I really looked at that first, well, it was the second conference game, but the first game against Iowa State. Second conference game, going on the road, and that's usually a huge game, going to Hilton Coliseum at Iowa State. And KU just put it on them, winning that game 79-53. to And it was at that point, it was like, okay, a team that really struggled on the road last year in Kansas, Because remember, KU went undefeated at home last year. It was on the road where they had their troubles and ended up losing the conference title. But to go to Hilton Coliseum, albeit against a bad team, but Iowa State has had bad teams before that have 
you know, shot the lights out and made life difficult for the Jayhawks and to go in there and end up winning by 26. All right. We might have something special here on our hands, or at least a team that's resilient, knows what they're up against, won't back down from a challenge. Then, of course, they lost to Baylor <laughs> later on that week. But here are the other games that I sort of took note of. Obviously, the game at Baylor, the game of the year, it was technically the game of the decade, the best game of the decade. Of course, if you're following along, we're in a new decade, right? So not, not a lot of options so far. That's an obvious one. I, I, again, I made a note of the game versus Kansas State, the first one. Yes, the brawl was a pivotal moment, sort of a linchpin moment right in the middle of the season. They won the game by 21 points. And I wanted to mark that game, yes, because of the brawl, but more so because of the shift of ideology. And that was the very first episode we ever did for the Believe in Jayhawks program. Thanks for listening. And I I mentioned that in that game, Bill Self was already sort of starting to tinker with the lineup. And although McCormack started, they were playing a lot more of the four-guard lineup. Silvio DeSosa had only played four minutes in that game. And then the fight happened, and DeSosa and McCormack got suspended. And by the way, welcome back, Silvio. He's eligible. (laughs) This Saturday against Texas Tech, Silvio DeSosa is eligible. Oh, that's not the point, though. So those two got suspended, and it forced Bill Self's hand to go with the four-guard lineup. That was by far their most efficient. It was the lineup that was clicking the best. And as we've seen, well, we've basically seen a, a different team, a different Kansas team. So I, I marked that game not necessarily because of the brawl, although that was a pivotal moment, don't get me wrong, but because it was the shift in ideology that has put together the Kansas team that we see today, that is rolling, that has won 15 straight games, that is essentially the prohibitive favorite going into March, or at least going into March Madness. We are in March. Excuse me. They are, I think, what was it, 538, or someone on ESPN said that Kansas is essentially the 17% favorite. All the projections they run, Kansas has won 17% of the time, which, not a huge number on the scale of 1 to 100, but they are the prohibited favorites. Other games that I noted. I also noted the game at Oklahoma. That was the game that directly followed the loss to Baylor. So KU loses to Baylor at home, 67-55. They then have to go on the road immediately to Norman. Again, Norman is not the toughest home court environment in the Big 12, but every game that Kansas does on the road is the whiteout, is the t-shirt game. It's more raucous than usual. And then you mix into the fact that, remember, Devon Dotson did not play in that game. Oh, boy. We've just lost to Baylor. We're looking a little vulnerable here. Our All-America candidate, our, our second or first best player, depending on the day and who you ask, is not even playing in this game. Brady Manick, Christian Doolittle, Austin Reeves, Oklahoma solid. This could be trouble. What do they do? Marcus Garrett plays the point guard. They play pretty well. Isaiah Moss scores 20 points in that game. Kansas wins the game 66-52. to Resilient bunch. They would then go to Texas, handle business, and they haven't looked back since. 
I think that was also a game in which Bill Self looked at Marcus Garrett playing the point, said this is probably our most pure ball-handling guard. He leads the team in assists. And I'm looking at the stats right now. Marcus Garrett averages 4.7 assists per game. Unbelievable. And if you haven't noticed recently, there's a lot of times where KU doesn't worry about Devon Dotson necessarily bringing the ball up the court. In fact, there's times Devon Dotson is dribbling, dribbling. They haven't crossed midcourt yet, and he'll make the effort to pass it over to Marcus Garrett. They're having Garrett initiate the offense a lot these days. I think Self learned something that game. The team has continued to evolve since then. And again, that's how we get to the point where we are right now. Kansas Big 12 champion. So that was sort of my retrospective. Uh, Again, it was sort of, it really helped out that it was a weak conference this year. Down years for Oklahoma somewhat, Kansas State especially, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Texas Tech took a step back this year. And I think another break for Kansas is that they took care of their games against UT, against Texas. They they were finished up essentially mid-conference season. And all of a sudden, Texas is now, like I mentioned, the hottest team in the nation, them or UCLA. Texas has won like five games in a row and might finish third. So KU finished up with Texas. They haven't seen them for a while. And meanwhile, Texas has been doing their own thing. So I think that benefited as well. Now, that leads us to Saturday. One more game, not for all the marbles, because KU has already clinched a share, right? So here's my, I'm going to call it a controversial opinion. KU is going on the road to Texas Tech, to the arena they call the United Supermarkets Arena. (laughs) KU is going to be shopping for a standalone conference title, right? Clean up an aisle three. The game is at 1 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. And in my opinion, I think Kansas should essentially tank the game. This isn't pro sports with draft picks and where you would actually like tank and hurt your record. But I think what Kansas should do is sit Devon Dotson, sit Yudoka Azabuke, and probably sit Marcus Garrett. Whoa, I... What did you say? I know. I know. I know everyone is competitive. I know Bill Self is uber competitive. I know no one wants to potentially share a conference title. But but what's really on the line here? And what would really happen if Kansas just ended up losing this game? Right? So let's just assume that Baylor beats West Virginia, which is no given. They're going on the road to Morgantown. I know I just said West Virginia can't put the basket or the ball in the basket, the biscuit in the basket. But that's still a tough game. And you know those weirdos up there in Morgantown are going to be amped for Baylor to come in. I mean, West Virginia still needs some sort of momentum heading into postseason play. So you, you share the title with Baylor. Big deal. You've won the conference title. The only issue at stake here is pride, winning it outright. I will admit that I don't really want Scott Drew to succeed at all in the slightest. I think it's hilarious. The best year for Scott Drew, the best year in Baylor history 
very likely could end up with them getting zero trophies whatsoever. But this is a really good Baylor team. And if KU ended up sharing a conference title with two conference losses with this Baylor team, a team that set the Big 12 mark for most consecutive victories in a row, you know what? So be it. Who cares? They, you're still going to put up a Big 12 championship banner next season in the Fieldhouse. Also, I know people don't really care, but how about a little bit of Big 12 pride? Texas Tech could use this win. They have lost three in a row. They need to build their resume. They need a higher seed. It's Texas Tech. This isn't the game against K-State. This isn't the game against Iowa State. Are you really going to get trash talk from Texas Tech fans? I mean, they made the, the national title game last year regardless. And this is a solid program with a good coach. You lose a game to Texas Tech, whatever, let them build their resume. And by the way, it's a game at Texas Tech. Even if you were full strength and you lose that game, it's not really going to ding the Jayhawks. They're probably going to remain the overall number one seed. Like losing at Texas Tech is not a, a resume red mark, a scarlet letter, if you will. And on top of that, like 2008 is getting to the point where it's kind of far away, right? It's now 2020. You, you do the math. For a while there, you could rest on the laurels and say, we've won a title relatively recently. And this is just like sports talk hyperbole here, right? But 2008 is starting to look a little bit more and more in the rearview mirror. Like those guys are barely in the league anymore. Derrick Rose is now a grandpa in the NBA. Mario Chalmers' body has started to break down. He's, I don't think he's in the NBA right now. Darrell Arthur. All those guys from Chris Douglas Roberts from that Memphis team. Not in the NBA anymore. That's just, you know, a little bit of perspective. It's about time. Like, look at the pictures. Bill Self looks like a totally different person. Much thinner in 2008. (laughs) It's now 2020. He's had a few brews. He's had a few Bill Selfs at the old brewery. What's the the pasta dish, right? Like, he looks like a different person. So what's the real goal here? The season is already a success. You have your share of a Big 12 title. Dotson had a really bad fall last night in the game against TCU. That ankle injury looked gnarly. The way he reacted, the way he was grimacing on the bench, that looked like more than just an ankle turn. Like, I was a little bit worried there might be ligament damage. Sit him. The guy is too important. Yudoka Azabuke, we know, is Mr. Glass. Wrist injuries, ankle injuries. Every time he winces this year, people have a nervous breakdown. So sit him, whatever. And Marcus Garrett has been dealing with feet issues all year long, feet and ankle. He twisted his ankles against Villanova, and guess what? Kansas lost that game. Oh, what could have been? So sit him. He's too important. Last night in the game against TCU, once again, guess what changed the game? TCU is raining threes. They're feeling cocky. They're feeling good. The frogs are feeling pretty froggy, hopping all over the place. Marcus Garrett drives a layup, makes it, and then what does he do on the very next play? Steals a pass, lays it in. Kansas has their first lead of the second half. Game over. In fact, the very next play, he stole or he forced the jump ball from Desmond Bain. Ripped the ball out of his hands. The guy's a game changer. You need those three players. 
Sit them. Tank the game. Who cares? One more added benefit. I already said it. Silvio de Sosa is back. Get him back into the lineup. Yudoka Azubuke, arguably the very best player in the nation this year. But he's not <laughs> immune to foul trouble. You're going to want your big man depth to, to be back. Like David McCormack, I don't think, played in the second half yesterday. Get these guys in their rhythm. Get them some big game experience. Azubuki's obviously a senior. Yesterday was his senior night. So he'll be gone. McCormack and, and Silvio De Sosa are now you're going to be are now going to be, excuse me, your big men on record for the years to come. Get them into a hostile environment. Let Christian Brown, let Christ, uh, let Anaruna, Tristan Anaruna, not Christian Anaruna. You'd think I follow the team. <laughs> let them get in there and play in a hostile environment. If they get blown out, whatever. Again, it's not going to be a mark on the team because you probably, if you sat everybody, Joe Lunardi and the NCAA tournament committee is going to sit there and say, well, they got blown out in Lubbock by a decent team and they didn't even play anybody. I don't know. It seems too obvious to me. Like, what's the major goal here? You've, you've, won, a, you've won one trophy. Ugh, easy for me to say. In fact, you've won a couple of trophies this year. You won the Maui Invitational, which is no small chicken. You won the Maui Invitational. You have your Big 12 title in hand. You passed out the T-shirts last night. Can't take those back. So, like, big deal. Rest, everybody. And if everybody's pride is too much and everyone's too competitive and this is America, we hate ties, God forbid that you take one, you concede one game, fine. 20 minutes. It's a 40-minute game. Play like Dotson and Azubuke for, like, three to four-minute spurts. Sit them for the next three to four minutes. Bring them back in to close out halves or whatever. But let's think big picture here, right? If this tournament field is as weak as everybody says it is, then by George, I think the team with arguably the best point guard, arguably the best big man, certainly the most dominant force inside in college basketball, arguably, I'm not even going to argue, the best perimeter, most versatile defensive player in the nation, surrounded by statistically a top two defense this season and one of the best defenses we've ever seen. Yeah, I think you should put all your eggs into one basket and try to go get this darn thing in March. Concede your last regular season game. Who cares? This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. If you agree with me, write into me, tell me why. If you don't, I get it. Like, win the thing outright, I get it. Write into me, at JoeNasty90, on Twitter. Now, just because I said concede the game on Saturday, hashtag tank on Saturday, doesn't mean I'm not going to do you a favor and, and preview a bit Texas Tech. <laughs> Call me a hypocrite. I am a hypocrite. Uh, if you want to advertise on this program, go to BLEAVBelieve.com. There's an advertising tab right there on the front page. Super easy. Click it. Let's talk turkey, baby. Texas Tech Red Raiders going down to Lubbock have no desire whatsoever to ever go there. They play at the United Supermarkets Arena, one of the worst arena names in the Big 12, if not the nation, right up there with the KFC Yum Center in Louisville. Texas Tech on the season. 
is 18 and 12, a step back for a team that went to the national title game last year, went to overtime with Virginia, probably deserved to win that game. Jarrett Culver is now in the NBA. Not really doing much, if I remember correctly. Uh, 18 and 12, 9 and 8 in conference. Texas Tech has now lost three in a row. I watched the game on Big Monday, so you didn't have to when they played Baylor. That was probably the most disappointing result, to be honest, for me. The fact that Texas Tech couldn't go in there and beat Baylor. So if they had beaten Baylor and KU won last night, then I think the question of sitting everybody this Saturday is a no-brainer because the title would already be won outright. But alas, Texas Tech really stank it up at the end of the, at the, end of the game and in overtime, and here we are. People are still debating whether or not KU should play everybody. That's not the point. We're talking about the Red Raiders. Texas Tech is averaging 72.3 points per game. They allow 63.4 points per game. Chris Beard. All right, I said this before and during the first game against Texas Tech. Chris Beard has no beard. And just take a look at him this Saturday. I assume it's going to be the same thing because every single game I see Chris Beard, this is the case. He wears a tie clip, but one... He wears it too low on his tie. Do I work for GQ? No. Should I? Probably. You got to wear that tie clip between your third and fourth button on the dress shirt, and then you clip it inside the shirt, Chris. It's too low, and the tie is swinging all over the place. You're not doing it right. It's Lubbock. I I know they don't really believe in style. Got to be better than that. And he wears an Under Armour and Under Armour pin. On his suit. I mean, that's... (laughs) Okay, man. Whatever. But they do play really good defense. I don't know, and I don't know if anyone realized this. If anyone's been reading Jesse Newell, CJ Moore from The Athletic. uh, KU has actually completely ripped the defensive style of Texas Tech, where the X's and O's, and has contributed to one of the best defenses in the nation. Texas Tech does something called icing the ball screens or they down ball screens and I'll try to put it in layman's terms as best as possible. What they do is, so if the offense puts a ball screen, you know, pick and roll, even relatively close to the sideline, what they do is the big man comes all the way around and they're trying to keep the ball on the same side of the floor. They're, they're trying to keep the ball out of the middle of the floor. So they're icing it to the sidelines or, or to the baseline. And that's exactly what Kansas has started to do this year as well. When you see Bill Self super angry at big men, usually, especially I I noticed this with David McCormack, I think against K-State, it's because they aren't fighting over the screen and they're letting the ball handler get around and get to the middle of the floor. So just notice that. Notice how the defenses are relatively similar this Saturday. Player to watch for Texas Tech is number three, Jamias Ramsey. He will be the one with the hair that looks like a skunk. 6'4", 195 pounds. He's talented. He likely will be an NBA lottery pick this upcoming year. 15.4 points per game, 4.1 rebounds per game. Last time out against Kansas, I should say. Texas Tech versus Kansas. He scored 26 points. But here's the thing with Jamias Ramsey. He will both keep you in the game with his scoring ability, but he will also shoot you out of a game. Poor shot selection. 
even when he goes cold, he's still going to keep jacking up those shots. Think of like Monte Ellis in the NBA, right? J.R. Smith, if you will. And in that game against Baylor, Texas Tech versus Baylor on Big Monday earlier this week, Chris Beard sat him, especially in late-game situations and in overtime. The shots weren't going down. I think he scored 11 points in the first half and went ice cold the rest of the game. Wildly inconsistent player, very talented. Honestly, probably would do well to stay in school. But if I was going to be a lottery pick, I'd jump too. Now, the sneaky player to watch. I I noticed this guy watching the game on Big Monday. And he didn't even play against Kansas in the very first matchup between Texas Tech and KU. But this might be a guy to keep an eye out for years to come as well here in the Big 12. It's number 15, Kevin McCuller. He is also just a freshman, a 6'6 kid from San Antonio. So he's an in-state kid that Chris Beard recruited down to Lubbock. Like I said, he didn't play in the first matchup. Only averages six points per game. So why am I bringing up? Well, he seems to somewhat be figuring it out. This is a kid that each time Texas Tech really needed a bucket. Again, it wasn't Jamias Ramsey. It was Kevin McCuller tended to be sitting right there in the corner. Smooth shot. The kid looks like he could be pretty special. He scored double figures in five of his last seven games, including 13 he scored against Baylor on Big Monday. I'm not going to do a prediction for this game because I don't care if Kansas wins or loses. I want them to sit everybody. I think you just heard that. But... Let's say everybody plays. It'll be a tight one. Like I can mention the points per game. So Texas Tech puts the biscuit in the basket. They don't allow a lot. I, I could see this game being like a 72 to 69 game. Nice. Uh, for either one of the teams. Should be fun. But who cares if they win? Not I. All right. We're, we're right up against it here on the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Real quickly, one of the more special parts of Kansas basketball is senior night. Kansas has now won 37 senior nights, no last home game of the year, in a row. Remarkable. Obviously precedes Bill Self, but he's continued that. And in the era of one and dones, two and dones, guys leaving early to go to the NBA, which I don't begrudge them at all. But it is still special on senior night. I was there for Sharon Collins' senior night, which was amazing. He was the standalone senior that night. Um, To see guys like him, just program guys, to to give them your thanks, Tyshawn Taylor. (laughs) That's I know know that's sort of a random one, but I was trying to think of you know program guys that have stuck around for four years that aren't just walk-ons that you're saying goodbye. And last night was a special version of that. Because you had one who stuck around for four years. The fans grew to love. And then you had Isaiah Moss, who was a fifth-year grad transfer. But it's been a really big part of this team. So there were zero walk-ons. They were both pivotal parts of the roster. Two guys that, because Bill Self will always start the seniors, regardless. Like, if it's the walk-ons, if it's the end of the bench guys, they will at least play for, like, the first minute or up until the first whistle. But with last night's senior night, it was two guys that you didn't have to adjust the starting lineup at all. They were going to start regardless of 
if it was senior night or not. So I want to do a little bit of a thank you and another somewhat retrospective on the two players. And I'll start with the guy who's had the shortest, but maybe the sweetest career, Isaiah Moss, transferring in from Iowa. And do keep in mind, Isaiah Moss did not play in the very first game of the year, or at least in that Champions Classic game against Duke. Would have made a difference? Maybe not. Kansas still turned the ball over a gazillion times. But I think it would have made a difference. The three-point shooting, a little bit more ball handling. So he didn't play against Duke. And you could see early on, especially as he was getting his feet wet, Isaiah Moss was asked to do a lot more than he had ever had to do at Iowa. Came in with the reputation as a sweet shooter, and he instantly came to campus and was the best three-point shooter in the program. Who knows about Jalen Wilson? The kid didn't really get a chance to shine because he got hurt in that Duke game. But Isaiah Moss came in with the reputation, and he lived up to it. But who knows what he was asked to do at Iowa? I didn't... Guilty as charged. Didn't watch a lot of Iowa basketball the last four years. But you could see Bill Self would yell at Isaiah Moss a lot for not getting in there and rebounding. You could see he was a little forgetful sometimes defensively. But man, watching him last night, and and I made this comment to my buds uh, on our group me app. Isaiah Moss and his compete level are at an all-time or an all-season high right now. He's busting his butt. He's getting in there for rebounds. He's at least trying defensively. And when Isaiah Moss is on and he's hitting his threes, he takes, some, he takes and makes some pretty tough contested threes sometimes. This turns into a whole different team. That's when Kansas stops scoring 60 to 65 points per game. That's when they start getting into like the 70s. And that's a tough team to, to beat if KU is scoring in the 70s. Games of note, I, I mentioned the 20 points he scored against Oklahoma. No Devon Dotson. He stepped up 13 points at Oklahoma state. That's one. That was like the first game KU faced a lot of zone and he busted that zone with 13 points. And then he had another key 13 points at West Virginia in that comeback. Uh, His, his made threes, his made baskets were, were really important for Kansas to win that game. And I didn't write it down actually, but just popped in my mind. Let's not forget the free throws at the end of the Baylor game. He's not probably. I'd say he's definitely the best free throw shooter on this Kansas team. At this moment, between he and Dotson, probably I'd choose Moss as the guy I want at the line when it matters most. Pure stroke, no hesitation. He's clutch at the line. So thank you, Isaiah. (laughs) So now we go from the guy who's probably the best free throw shooter to Yudoka Azabuki. And it, I think people know how I feel about Yudoka Azabuki if they've been listening to this program as long as it's been on. He's been amazing to watch. Again, we get nervous every time he twists an ankle or hits the backboard too hard. And it's who knows what the career would have been, right, if he didn't get hurt those two seasons. The busted hand, the busted feet, His absence has been huge when he hasn't been on the floor. And I'm so thankful. I'm so happy that he got this senior season and he's been mostly healthy, obviously twisted his ankle against Kansas State. And the performance he put on last night against TCU, I'm recording this the Thursday after. He didn't put two and two together. 
But on his senior night, to score a career-high 31 points, if that's how he is on a twisted ankle, then watch out for the rest of the country when he's 100% healthy, which I hope he is when he doesn't play Saturday. The note that Matt Tate, the great writer, put down last night is the 31 points on a senior night is the most since Danny Manning scored 31 himself back in 1988. Harbinger of things to come? I sure hope so. I don't know if Yudoka is going to have his jersey retired, much like Danny Manning or Will Chamberlain. A lot of that's going to sort of come down to postseason awards. Will he be Big 12 Player of the Year? Will he be, you know, Final Four? Most outstanding player. Will he be National Player of the Year? Uh, the finalists were announced today. Top 10 for the Naismith, uh, for the Naismith Award, or was it the Wooden Award? Who cares? Both Dotson and Azabuki are on the final top 10. So if he wins one of these awards, then yes, his jersey will get retired. And I, I go to, I guess it was Nick Schwartz's rule, right? You say the name out loud. Could you see their, their jersey being hung? Yudoka Azabuke. I can see it. So stay tuned, right? 1,000 points scored in his career despite missing all of that time. I watched the speech last night. You could see the impact the program has had on him and his life. His Not his parents, his caretakers were in the audience. You could see the impact that they had had on his life and what he meant to them. It was beautiful. And I'll, I'll wrap it up on this as well. He said the last time he saw his mom, who lives over in Africa, was when they made the Final Four two seasons ago. So he said, it's probably going to have to come down to us making the Final Four again for me to see my mom for the second time in, what, eight to ten years? So let's get to Atlanta. <laughs> to which I say, go get it, young man. I, I hope this team makes it to Atlanta. Uh, the guys on the roster certainly deserve it. I do appreciate everybody listening. The show's not finished, or I mean the program is not finished. Today's episode is finished. Uh, as always, tweet at me, at JoeNasty90, with your opinions, what you think about my opinion, that KU should sit everybody this Saturday against Texas Tech. Enjoy the game. Uh, I'm thinking I should probably post the next episode next Wednesday because Big 12 tournament play will start, or at least Kansas will start up, I, I think, on Thursday. So you're not going to be listening. You're going to be watching the game. So we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. But as always, thank you. Enjoy the game Saturday. It's March, baby. Enjoy postseason play. How about those uniforms last night? They were awesome. <laughs> I will talk with you soon. And as always, rock chalk. One, two, three, and to the folks. Snoop, doggy, dog, and Dr. Dre.